0: wanted to introduce the man who's bringing uh, God's word to us this morning. Um, a couple decades ago here at our church, uh, our church was in a time of transition. And one of the things that uh, we get to have in uh, Southern Baptist life is this cooperation, and part of what our denomination does in cooperation, they have someone like me, someone in campus ministry, at all of the campuses across Kansas and Nebraska, they they plant churches, and they care for the health of churches, so at that moment of transition a couple of decades ago, um, at that time, the, the director of our, uh, our Southern Baptist Convention in uh, Kansas and Nebraska was Peck Lindsey. And Peck came into 12th Avenue during that time of transition and really gracefully kind of guided us towards uh, what the future of our church would look like. And so in remembering um, that time a long time ago, if you're old enough to remember, Peck was our interim pastor all of those years ago and really gracefully guided us through that time. So if you remember Peck, you... uh, are of a certain age, but we're, um, the rest of us who, who weren't around back then are really grateful for, for how that worked out, and it kind of cast vision, the vision, the guidance for where our church has ended up today. So Peck, come and share from God's Word with us.
1: I do have people say, uh, you're over the hill, aren't you? And I say, no, but I can see the top of it up there, and uh, I, I came B.A., which is before Al. That was long ago. And uh, PG was before uh, Jason, I got this Bible uh, from students. And the student director at that time worked with leather, and so he made me a a holder for my Good News Bible, which was a paperback. So I want to use it today to talk about uh, that which Garen assigned me to do. He said, you all are reading through the Bible, and some of you have said, you're reading through the book of Acts now. A couple of confessed they hadn't quite got there yet, but you're going to. So, I'm Garen assigned me three chapters, and from them I could uh, speak to you and find a text which God laid on my heart that was relevant, hopefully to my life and maybe to yours. I've always been impressed by brilliant people, really smart people. This gentleman spoke four languages. He earned his doctorate of jurisprudence. He was a, an, a legal attorney. He was also in the ruling board of his church. He, he was the one who determined right and wrong as whether you were in or out of the faith. He was then chosen to uh, take care of a riffraff who were giving trouble in their church, and he was giving authority to imprison them or even to kill them you know his name? You've been reading about him this week? Paul. Paul, we call him the apostle, but he was just a brilliant Jew, Roman, of his day. And he's the one who is at play in these passages which Garin assigned me to read and from which I'm supposed to select a topic that relates to my life and yours. So look at the book of Acts, 20th chapter, the book of Acts. This is from Good News Bible which I got when I was here 40 years ago, however long it was. And uh, the ones that I remember from years ago have all gotten older. And so I say to them when I meet them, Who are you? You don't look the same as you did 20-some years ago. In the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 23 and following, Paul has called together the leaders from Ephesus And this is Good News Bible translation. And Paul says, I only know that in every city where he's visited throughout Asia, the Holy Spirit has warned me that prison and troubles await me. But I reckon my own life to be worth nothing to me in order that I may complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave to me, that is to declare the good news of the grace of God. So I really have two points today. One is to discover Paul's mission. He declares it here. And second, to hear what he says to the church. He has a message to the church based on his mission. So having read that, what's his mission? To share the good news of Christ with Gentiles and Jews. Share it everywhere. That's his mission. I have gone among all of you, verse 25, preaching the kingdom of God, and now I know that none of you will ever see me again. He was leaving, and he knew he wouldn't come back. So I solemnly declare to you this very day, if any of you should be lost, I'm not responsible, for I have uh, not held back from you announcing the whole purpose of God. Uh, Here's the message to us, the message to me and the message to the church. Keep watch over yourselves And all the flock which the Holy Spirit has placed in your care. Be shepherds of the church of God for which he made his own through the death of his own son. So, the mission defined by Paul is kind of a model for us to shape our own mission. It was to me. Paul's mission was to declare the good news of Christ everywhere. That wasn't his original mission. When the church, when the, the leadership council of the Jews ordained him, they said, go find those Christians, all those people that are raising all the trouble, bring them to jail. Find out if that's what they are, put them in prison. If you can't put them in prison, have a trial and kill them. And so that's what he did to Stephen. He, he stood it while Stephen was stoned to death. Others he'd arrested and brought back. And then on the Damascus Road, he tells in these chapters, suddenly there's a blinding light. When I left to, Topeka this morning, clouds were all dark. It was almost like night, and the lightning was flashing everywhere around there, and I could understand Paul walked in at midday when the clouds were dark and the lightning flashed, and the bright light was seen by everybody, the lightning flashed by everybody, but only Paul was blinded, and he was taken to another house, and somebody from the Jewish faith came to him, and while he was blinded, Paul heard in his inner voice that boy said to him, Paul, uh, you're persecuting me, not just the church. I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am I'm Messiah. Why do you keep persecuting me? I have, a, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. And when the, the Jewish leader came to him, he said, Paul, uh, God does have a plan for you. He sent me to tell you that. Get your sight back. You can see. Paul went to the temple in Jerusalem, and he prayed for several days trying to discern what is it God wants me to do. And then he got the message from God. You're to, just the mission, you're to share the good news with everybody, everywhere. You're my messenger of the good news that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ, that he's come to say it's by grace that he's offered you forgiveness and salvation and life eternal. Share that good news with everybody. And so Paul started on his mission to share the good news. At the same time, there was a bunch of Jews who didn't like the fact that Paul was talking about all the good stuff he did. So back in uh, Ephesus, there was a pagan cult, Artemis, a goddess of whose... There, there was a, a satellite came down from up above. A comet came and struck the earth. And so people said, this must be a message from heaven. So somebody decided this... This is really a god. And they created an image in that, in that not satellite, in that, uh, what's it called when it falls to earth? M- meteorite came. Thank you. <laughs> I knew that once. But uh, when the meteorite came, they started uh, saying, this, this must be a, a moon god, and she is going to create fer- fertility fertility. And she's going to protect animals, and she's going to show us what the heights are. So they created an image of Artemis or Diana to the Romans. And they had a a temple. One of the seven wonders of that world held 20,000 people dedicated to Artemis, this large, large gathering space. But the good news about Christ, and the rumor came, Paul was saying, She's not a God. She's not any power. There is a God. His name is Jesus. There is a power. It's the person of Christ. And so the word got out, and people quit coming to Artemis and they quit buying the jewelry. They were making silver images of Artemis. and they said, our, our livelihood is at stake. We've got to do something about Paul. So Paul was away from there, and he wanted to come to the city. Now, what's his mission? His mission is to share the good news he could have come and argued with all the people of Troas, but he ignored them and went ahead and preaching. The, the, the purpose of your life, the mission of your life, is not to be at energy, not to be dissipated in arguing with things that are not central to the mission. Paul the, went to Troas from there, and people those days worked hard labor, and they had a dinner together late in the evening at Troas, and Paul came after dinner and was teaching well past midnight. He was sharing the good news and answering questions about circumcision, about the days, about everything the Jews were questioning, and in the third room, uh, a young man fell asleep It's after midnight. He'd worked hard all day. I, when, when I was in high school, they had a all-night prayer meeting, the men did, and I went to it. I'd hauled hay all day, went to the prayer meeting, and and we were praying for a meeting. It was going to start the next day. And I uh, looked around and everybody was gone. <laughs> I'd gone and sleep on the pew. I didn't fall out of a window, but I fell asleep into the pew. And I understand this young man falling asleep on the third floor. After midnight, he'd worked all day. People cried out and said, He's dead. No, Paul went and fell on and said, No, he's not dead. He's just unconscious. I'll revive him. And he did. And the, the man came back to life. But Paul's purpose was to preach the good news of Christ to say Jesus is, is the one who's come as Messiah to set all free. And then he went back to Jerusalem again from there and the Jewish people in Jerusalem said, you know, Paul, you're not really going to be accepted well by the Jewish people here. It would be good if you did something that showed them that you were still of the Jewish faith, still keeping the, the law. And so there were four men who were going to have the, the Nazarite vow. It's kind of like of us deciding I'm going to go into the church for a week. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to do a lot of things. I'm going to let my hair grow long, natural, and let my hair grow long, and I'm going to uh, to spend a week trying to determine what God wants me to do. At the end of a week, they had to offer two sheep, uh, one a burnt offering, one a, a, a blood offering to the priest, and they had to offer a ram. And so many times, somebody who had a little more money and goods would buy the animals for them so that they could offer them. So Paul spent the time with them in the temple. Paul bought the sheep and the ram for them. And then some Jews, because they were in the same city, there were people who were Gentiles, and some other Jews saw Paul with them before he'd gone into the temple. And so they said, look, Paul took a Gentile into our temple. Well, he didn't do that, but the, the rabble came around him again. And Paul came out. He was trying to say, I'm going to go through this experience in the temple so that I have a voice with the Jewish people. They're giving me, but they can see I do observe some of the things which the Jews do, so I want to build a voice to speak to them. The Roman soldiers came because a crowd gathered around him. They were beating him. The Roman soldiers came and picked him up, took him uh, out of the Jewish mob, and Paul said in in Greek to one of the soldiers, uh, can I speak to the mob? And the soldier said, you're an, you're, you're an intellectual. You're an intelligent man. You speak a different language than them. He thought he was somebody who was just it, causing a, a riot. And the Romans were against that. When he heard Paul speak Greek, he understood that this is a learned man. And so Paul turned from the Romans and to the Jewish mob and spoke to him in Hebrew, the Aramaic language. And, and they, they listened to him. And he told them the story of his conversion. He said, I was once like you. I was once one who, who attacked the Christian people. But here's my experience. Jesus came to me, and then he said, in the temple where I spent time, he told me I was supposed to go share the good news with everybody, even the Gentiles. And they got mad again, and the rob came around him again. So Paul, his purpose was not to argue right or wrong with the Jews. His purpose was to share the gospel. His purpose was not to tell the Romans uh, how they should redo their law. His purpose was to build relationships so he could share the gospel of Christ with them. So here's, here's what we learned. I learned from that is, that is that you define your primary purpose. What is it that your purpose is? And then everything else is subsidiary to that purpose. The energy you have is focused on the purpose Not on peripheral. Paul didn't argue with with the goldsmiths. Paul didn't argue with the other uh, people who were there. This keeps slipping off, so if it's at my foot one day. The purpose is that to which you commit your best. Uh, Dick, when I was here years ago, uh, you all weren't really a strong Baptist church, but you were a strong, stronger church growing. And somebody said to me as I came, why would you give your energy to help this bunch? And I thought, well, my purpose was twofold. One, because I felt like you all could be the strongest evangelical church witness in the city. And it's important that you be that. And secondly, I said, well, if they if they get to trust me, maybe they'll become more Baptist too. And so... Uh, that most people like me here, and most people trusted me, and you have done that. But cl- clarify your purpose, and then give your energy to that which is with, in relationship to the purpose. Paul said, my purpose is to preach the gospel, not to argue with everybody, so I'm going to adhere to that which is my purpose. Uh, Harold Janine wrote a book on management, and he said, you know, you, when you read a book, you start at the beginning, and you read to the end. That's not the way you manage a corporation. You start with the end. What do you want it to be? And you do anything possible to get there. Covey said, begin your life with the end in mind. That, that's what Paul says here. Here is my mission Here's my objective. Here's my end result. I'm not going to let anything deter me from preaching the gospel to everybody, from sharing the good news. I'm not arguing with Artemis. I'm not arguing with the other Jewish people. I'm not arguing about circumcision. I'm arguing about nothing. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm making a positive statement about who Christ is and what he's going. So Paul's mission changed once or twice in his life, but he always committed his energy to the mission. So uh, you have a mission to be married. (laughs) It takes energy to stay married. Sue and I have been married 60 years. I haven't been intimate with anybody else before or after that. So it means that you have to make some life choices. There are good days and bad days in marriage. Some of you are married. You you know good days and bad days. (laughs) But the goal is stay together. So you work through the bad days, so you come out with the good days together. A church has good days and bad days, but the goal is we work together so we come out the right place. Our mission is still the same, to say, God, what, what, what are you asking me to do, and how do I commit myself to do it? You have children. Some of you are married have children, and the, the mission of, ch- of raising children is for the kids to be healthy and whole and be what God wants them to be. I have a friend whose son, uh, after high school, went uh, in varied, intimate kind of relationships with girls. He liked them. He drank a little bit. And the father didn't know where he was for a while. He had moved, found out where he was. And he went just to build a relationship, maintain a relationship, he wanted to stay with the son. It wanted to let him know he cared for him. It was part of him. The kid now is married to a gal with similar faith. Uh, his life is in church, but he keeps a relationship with the family. The, the mission was to keep him as a son. Another friend of mine had a son and two daughters, and he said, I'll, I'll pay you way to school, but you have to go to a school that I choose. One of the daughters and the son did that, went to where he chose. The other daughter said, that's not my goal. That's not my life. I'm going to go and she's going to a different state. He wouldn't help her he, he kind of said no no, that's not it if you don't do it my way I'm not going to help you at all when I saw him a few years ago uh, he doesn't know about her anymore she went to where she wanted to go but she broke relationships with the family what's the mission with the kids to maintain a relationship with them to help them become that which they're supposed to be you want them within your moral bounds you want them within the biblical context of, of faith but you want to maintain a relationship the mission is the kid. So Paul said, my mission is to share the gospel and I'm not going to be sidetracked with anything else but that. Now here's a message to us. In the next verse, the message is to behave yourself. (laughs) For you who are believers in the church at Ephesus, live right. Live a life that exemplifies Christ. I have a friend in uh, Topeka who shops at a certain grocery store, and she was shopping at a grocery store, and the manager of the store came out just berating one of his employees because they'd done something wrong, used bad language and publicly humiliated her right there in the aisle, made a big deal of it, and this lady went to church two weeks later, and guess who was leading the service? This guy. She didn't go back to that church. His, His lifestyle, she thought... Was so different than what she thought he was saying up there, that she didn't gonna go back. It is to say that our life is to reflect in our relationships. Christ, that we are to honor Him with the way we behave with each other. Let your life look right. We have a couple out in Western Kansas. Um, they controlled the church. She was clerk and treasurer. Uh, he was uh, the, the deacon leader. They had two or three pastors, and finally they had a pastor from, who came out of an alcoholic background in that local town. He had lots of alcoholic friends. He began to share Christ with them, and he, uh, he, he became the pastor. But this couple who had been in church a long time, who controlled the, the budget and everything else, wouldn't do anything that they just opposed everything he wanted. They controlled the money. They spent it in ways that church had never, they, they didn't act right. Toward him and toward each other, the church is now dead. By the way, they, uh, it, it's gone, and he's he's out of the church in another in, in another kind of ministry. It is to say, Paul says, "Look, behave yourself in relationship." Dick, you probably don't remember. I don't. I, I didn't remember it. There was a there was a meeting thirty years ago of of the leadership, men leadership, in in an upper room here, and I don't even know what happened, but there was some tense words said and and you stepped out in the hall with the called us a gentleman out in the hall and the two of you stepped out in the hall the rest of us stayed in the meeting and when you came back you were okay the two of you spoke uh, like you liked each other like you were together that that's what he's saying paul says look behave yourself act, act like christ make make a difference I, I don't remember anything else about that dick you may after you can talk about it but uh, i was impressed that that at least you all acted different views, but you acted like you listened to each other, cared for each other. And that's when Paul says, shepherd the flock. You shepherd the flock. I grew up in, in uh, ranch country, cattle country. So we, we grew cattle. I never knew sheep. And uh, when we talked about sheep herders. We had uh, adjectives in front of that term about a sheep herder. So I, I didn't know sheep, but I've read three books now by shepherds Because Paul says, shepherd the flock. A shepherd was one who would take care of the sheep by name. A shepherd was one who would lead them. They weren't driven. They would be led through safe valleys because they were going from the low country up to a high mesa to have good grass. The shepherd would go ahead and there were noxious weeds there. He would dig out the weeds and prepare the way for them. So back to Psalm 23, when you read it, it was written by a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want for anything because he will take care of me. He leaves me beside still waters. The sheep couldn't stand running water because all the wool, if they got no running water, it'd sweep them down so a shepherd would go put dams up and slow the water down so the sheep could come and drink from it. They would go to green pastures up in the higher mesas without the poison weeds. They spent time caring for the sheep individually and I didn't know that a sheep, if it fell over on its back, can't get up. So it lays there on its back with its legs up in the air, like a turtle. You see a turtle on its back? And so you can't get up. It'll just wiggle its legs around. A sheep's the same way. I did not know that, but two or three shepherds about whom I read told me that. So when 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 the psalm says he restores my soul, it says he he reaches down when I'm in trouble and sets me up right again. The good news is that Christ restores us. He touches us in the bad times and puts us back on the right path, puts us back on our feet. I was up in Nebraska, and I met a young man who knew every place in Kansas, eastern Kansas, where you dried out from alcoholism, the halfway houses, the places he'd been, sometimes three months, sometimes six. He'd he'd been in all of them. Uh, his, His life was kind of a, a mess growing up in Kansas, but he was up in Nebraska and he met a young lady uh, in Columbus and she was a believer and he was attracted to her. He'd also been in two or three rehab centers in, in eastern Nebraska, but when he met her, uh, she, wouldn't, uh, she, she wouldn't party with him. She wouldn't go to those places. She was a ch- church lady and so she uh, invited him to come with her. He, he was upside down. She invited him to come with her, and the church accepted him. The church people made friends of him. The pastor actually invited him into his home with her. They, they were people who reached down to him upside down, and when I met him, he was right side up. Christ had come into his life and transformed it. What, he, what Paul says is, look, you're to shepherd each other. You're you're not to put each other down. You're not to point out everything's wrong with everybody. You're to say, how do I reach down and help you stand back up? How how do I use my energy to help you become whole again, to be right again? That's the good news. Paul said the good news is this. Jesus Christ has come, and he's made a a change of all all the rules and all the laws. You don't have to keep all of them to be right with God. You have to come to a faith relationship with Christ. And when you give your life to Him, He makes you right with God. He makes everything whole again. So the mission, Paul said, share the good news. It's really not a bad mission for us to share it at work, share it where you are, to be part of the relationship. Most people, every study I've read, the Pew study and ever others, says that most people end up in church just like my friend in Columbus, Nebraska because he began to date somebody who was a believer or he worked with somebody who was a believer. Somebody whose life interacts with them says this is the way you're whole, complete and that life attracts them to the faith you have. So he says to us, look in in Emporia, you keep living a life Christ-like and people will notice that I noticed uh, the team that went down south. I saw some of the young people who had people younger than them in the team, and I thought, we all influence somebody. And juniors and seniors in high school influence 6th and 7th and 8th graders. And college students influence high school students. And when you go on a mission trip, you influence other people. So that's what Paul says. Let your mission be to influence others, and then when you're influenced, shepherd them. Help, help restore them to the wholeness which God wants. The good news is, that's what God did for us. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. He says, now that, now that you've been restored and whole, ask yourself, how do I relate to people who aren't restored in a way that helps them? And how do I relate to other people in the fellowship so that I shepherd all other people here, not criticized, not set apart from, but shepherd them. Let me pray for you and we will uh, go together. God, thank you for the word, uh, for the life of Paul, for the brilliance which he had and for the way that uh, he lived his life and wrote, for the teachings that he's brought to us. So we pray, God, that uh, since we claim allegiance with you, your spirit would give us intelligence and wisdom and strength to live the way we claim to live. May our life reflect who Christ is, and may we continue to make an impact in our city, with people we work, and our families. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. And you're dismissed. Thank you.